0: I'm not going to do my regular presentation, but I am going to share just a little bit uh, just about China. You've been seeing lots of maps there, and so I just want to step back for a while and talk about um, just the number of people um, in China. I haven't done, you know, when we we first went to the field, we did a lot about the statistics of China, the most populous nation on earth, and, you know, 1.4, I think it was 1.3 billion at that point. Now it's 1.4 1.4 billion people, over a billion more people than the United States population. And and I haven't done that for a while because obviously you can only reach so many people as a missionary. You can only go and, and do so much. But I do want to, I just saw this come up. Um, I think I saw it through Tim Challey's. But these are, and I can't really see that, but I think it says that the English, number of English speakers in the world, 1.3 billion, right? That's the number of English speakers in the world. China's just about 16 million behind that, with uh, 1.16, I think it said, uh, billion people. And, and if you think about that again, and I didn't realize this, but 30% of, of people in China speak a different language. So I think the number 18th most spoken language on the earth is just a dialect within China. And so just think about those numbers. And then if we go back to this, where it more shows your total speakers versus your native speakers, then China, there's no comparison. China's 900, billion, I'm sorry, 900 million um, native speakers. I think English there goes down to 300 or so um, million. And, and so just the idea of uh, reaching that country and and we are doing that we are starting that in a very small way through our different groups so here's another graph the blue the the left one is not very um clear but basically our materials through social media through our websites and stuff have gone out throughout every province in china the the very west of china that's where you have tibet xinjiang with the muslim region, so it's gonna be less there. But you have bigger concentrations, darker colors within as you move towards the east coast. And we have some provinces there with you know seven thousand people are following our our different groups there. And then there were a couple very encouraging graphs. I sent this in my update when I told people I was coming back. But this graph shows that the biggest bulk of users this is the age, right? Yes. The biggest bulk of users is over 45 of our materials, which just basically says that it's not just young people or people on the web, but basically it's mature pastors that are using our material to prepare sermons and to, um, to preach. And, and so that was encouraging. Also, this graph showing that the biggest group of people is not from the first-tier cities, which have over 10 million, is it? Um, but it's from the um, the fourth tier cities, which would be really into the countryside. The, the populations—they are fourth tier cities that are smaller, and the needs are bigger. And and so we're really excited about that, and just pray that the Lord would continue to protect those groups, those social media groups. You know, my wife tells me I just when I show a lot of grass and stuff, people get bored, and so I need to show pictures. Pictures of Chinese people, and so. <laughs> the. Um... <laughs> Dave and Vicky. Okay, Dave just finished translating for me Second Thessalonians, the Hebert commentary. And He hates when I do this, but I do it anyways. Um, Dave is the only person that has volunteered, and has actually completed. Um, a commentary. And so it's just such a blessing to have him do that. He just gave that to us the end of, of January, and I am, I am just so blessed by, by your work. Um, and so his commentary is down there in the bottom row. That bottom row is going across are just things that we're working on. The rest of those are things that are already done and on the web, and so pastors can come, put in a Bible reference, and, and just get a lot of different resources, commentaries, different books. We're doing an atlas, doing um, uh, and then a Greek lexicon is going on, and then the TWOT, the Theological Word Book of the Old Testament, which again, I bought that translation, is going on as well this year. And then we're doing, so these are just some numbers um, as far as uh, we have a, Oh, about 60,000 followers of the social media groups that are putting out our materials. We have one on Sunday school material, one on marriage with the exemplary husband, excellent wife books, and then uh, one advertising the Bible study toolbox. And so again, just thankful for that. We also have a mobile version going um, that we've just launched the beta version. So again, the pastors that I teach in southern Beijing, they don't have laptops, they don't have computers, but they do things on their mobile phones. So I typically don't think of... Preparing a message on my mobile phone, but that's really what they're doing. And so we're just thankful for that mobile version, which I'm not going to uh, do this very long. But this is basically, you can go to your mobile phone, you can get on there, you can get to um, all the different resources there. You log in, and that's what I'm doing here. And then I just want to show you the one screen with all the different resources from um, that. So you, you go ahead and press on that little plus sign, menu drops down, and you have multiple commentaries, but I just I decided to do another Bible version there. So that's the comparison. We have the net Bible on there. We have um, Bible tied with a strong number so that people can look up the Hebrew and the Greek, and then eventually that'll be tied into the lexicons as well. And then they bring down the main menu which I think I do right now. And that gives you all the different resources that we have right now for that book of the Bible. And so we're just blessed to be able to, um, to be there and continue to do that. There, are Clipboards, I, I put some clipboards here. I've been here, I think last year I was here, so I know there's always new people. If you'd like to sign up for updates, feel free to do that. There'll be clipboards going around, no pressure on, on that. But again, thank you for your your um just your support prayer support we just always enjoy getting back to this group and um, we're just so thankful for your faithfulness i can come back and i can share all the things that i'm doing but i never really you never stand up here and share but i come back and i see faces that are familiar that were here 15 years ago 20 years ago still doing the same thing that you were doing 20 years ago And and it's just such a blessing to me, such an encouragement to me. And so thank you for your faithfulness um, in just serving the Lord here at at Grace Church and then specifically here in, in Mainstream. All right, let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your goodness. I do pray for our dear friends in China. Lord, just pray for the Chinese people that you would use this in their lives. You would use this to help them to not only see the the difficulty of the government they live under, the the pride and, and sinfulness of the government, but they would also see the sinfulness of their own hearts, Lord, and that they would um, see you as the only way, Lord, and Christ as the only sufficient way, Lord, to um, have those sins forgiven. We, um, Lord, I think of, um, the people that are just sitting in their houses all over China, not allowed to really go out, buy groceries, come back, not going to work, not able to leave their towns, and just use this time, Lord, to, to work, do a work in, in that country. Lord, I pray that the government would repent from some of the things they have been doing, Lord, and that there would be pressure on them, Lord, to allow for more freedom of religion, Lord, because of all this. Lord, I just pray as we now look to your word that, that you would um, use your word in our hearts, Lord, that we may change, that we may be conformed into the image of your Son, Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be in Psalm 15 today. I hear that you are going um, through some of the episodes of The Life of David and, and so this is a psalm that David has um, written. Obviously, he, the majority of the psalms, or um, he, he would be, anyways, the, the uh, largest, uh, he would have the most psalms, um, author of the most psalms, that's what I want to say, um, in the Psalter. But Psalm um, 15, as we travel around, um, we obviously stay in different people's homes and that's always a blessing and whether that's for short short term or long term we're we're in people's homes and there was a day where we were um, traveling we're going to be in a church in New York City and so they called me up and they said could you come a day early because we want to take you and another family to see the Statue of Liberty and so on and so I said you know what the only way we could come is if we get there like three in the morning and and since we're staying at somebody's house, I don't think I want to get there at three in the morning. And the pastor said, you know, that's no problem. I would just tell them they'll leave their door open, and and you can just go in and and told us where our bedrooms and things would be. And so we drove over um, one of the bridges there and, and I got lost in Manhattan but then finally Charity woke up about that time and it's like where are we? and and then I finally got my way back out to Long Island and got to the house and, and walked in, lights were on and we put all our stuff in the living room and then we realized we were in the wrong house. <laughs> no, actually that didn't happen everything happened up to the wrong house. But I always was concerned about that when people would just let us into into their homes. But that kind of begs the question, who do you let into your house? Who would you let show up at three in the morning and just come in and sleep in your home? Who do you even just invite over for dinner? Who do you just let stay one night? Who would you let stay a whole month in your home? Well, in this Psalm, in Psalm 15, David gives 10 characteristics required to enter into God's presence so that we would examine ourselves to see if we have the character needed to worship God and never be estranged from fellowship with him. The psalm is obviously not talking about salvation. It's talking about our sanctification. It's talking about who does God desire to come to his house and worship him. There are, there are different passages. Isaiah 1 comes to mind where, where basically I, God tells the Israelites, don't, don't even bother. Don't even bother coming to the temple anymore. The incense that you offer, it's, it's an abomination to me. Why? Because it says their hearts were far Far from him. And so this psalm is talking about the character of the person God wants in his presence. God wants to come and worship him. If you just turn over, I know we just got there, but just turn over to 2 Peter chapter 1. I just want to compare. I think we I did preach 2 Peter here, maybe last time I preached in mainstream or the time before that. But I love this section. Of scripture, this, this opening chapter is Peter there if you're Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5 starts out for this very reason. Okay, for this very reason, make every effort. Okay, what, are you what are you supposed to make an effort to do? Well, you're supposed to make an effort to put on knowledge and moral purity, and self-control. And he goes through that in verses 5 through 8. Godliness, brotherly kindness, love. You're supposed to make every effort to do this. Strive to do this. But but what is the for this very reason? Well, the for this very reason is talking about verses 3 and 4, which is all about Christ. It's all about what Christ has already accomplished in our lives, what Christ has already accomplished by his work on the cross, and it's through, through the knowledge of Christ, through his word, because he's already done everything, because he already has accomplished everything for us, that we're to make every effort, to make sure that we're pursuing righteousness in our lives, that we're pursuing godliness, moral purity, that we're, we're pursuing knowledge of Christ, self control perseverance all those qualities we don't do that because Christ was deficient in some way we do that out of out of love for Christ for all that he has done for us and so we go back to psalm 15 we need to remember that that Christ we are believers here today that that we are bought with a price that price was the precious blood of the of Christ on the cross. And so as we look through the the type of person, this isn't really talking about our salvation. It's really talking about are are we are we living for Christ? Are are we living in fellowship with him? Are we expressing our love for all that he has done by our righteous lives? It's really talking about what Ephesians 4:30 says when it says do not grieve the holy spirit. Our sins grieve the holy spirit or 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Spirit. And so we can do that. We can do that with the way that we live. And when we grieve the Spirit, when we quench the Spirit, and we're not living in the way, then, then he would tell us the same thing that he would tell the Israelites. You know what? It doesn't make a difference when you come to church. You, you can come, but you, but you're not living for me. And so we want to look here and say, Basically, who can be God's friend? Who can be a friend of God? What type of person does God want to be friends with? And so the first answer to that is a person with a consistent character. A person with a consistent character. Verse 2 there speaks of blameless behavior in your walk, in your work, and in your words or in your speech. And so we, first of all, we see there, he who walks with integrity. I haven't read the psalm yet, so let me read that. The psalm of David, O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue does not know evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own her and does not change, who does not put out his money at interest, does not take a bribe against the innocent, he who does these things shall never be moved. The first thing we see in verse 2 is, is someone with a consistent character, their walk, their work, their words. Think about what part of your life makes up your walk and your work and your words. And so it's just talking about habitual action here. And your walk is what? It's, in, it's characterized by integrity. Your walk is characterized by integrity. This phrase speaks of your behavior, the word used to describe what our behavior should be is used throughout Leviticus to describe the sacrifice that was brought to the tabernacle for one's sin. Leviticus 5.18 says, He is then to bring to the priest a ram without defect from the flock. The word is translated without fault, blameless, impeccable, and honest. It is used to describe Noah in Genesis 6.9, and is what God expects from us if we are to have fellowship with him. Christ would say in Matthew 5 eight, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Peter reminds us in, in chapter 1 of his first epistle, 114, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, Be holy yourselves also in all your behavior because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. The standard and therefore the goal for us is is not partial sanctification. Our our goal is to be godly. And and we, I think some of this can be that we just kind of look around, we compare ourselves with other, other people and we think, well, you know what? Compared to, Compared to most people, compared to the average, I'm doing all right. There's a story of, of these um, two brothers. They were in Italy, and they were part of the mafia. Of course, if they were in Italy, or they were part of the mafia. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. Okay. And, and so these two brothers... They were known in the community and um and there was one time where there was a day that came where the younger brother died. the younger brother passed away, and so the older brother went to a pastor of a small Bible church there in the community, knowing that that pastor was well respected, and said, "Would you do my brother's funeral?" And so the pastor asked some questions and and um he said, uh, can I preach the gospel? Can I? Yeah, you can do whatever you want. Will you do it? And I, he goes, yeah, I, I think I can do that. He goes, one thing, at some point during the funeral, will you call my brother a saint? Well, the pastor couldn't help but smirking. He's like, you know, I know you. I know you. I know your brothers. There's no way I'm standing up there calling your, your brother a saint. And, and the guy persisted, and he goes, listen, if you will do this, I will totally fund a new church building for you. And so the, the, he goes, go home and sleep on it. Well, the pastor couldn't sleep. He's been thinking about this building, trying to raise funds, couldn't raise funds. The, the next morning when the older brother gives him a call, he says, I'll do it. I only have to say it once, right? And I can do whatever else I say, whatever else I want. Yeah, that's fine. Day of the funeral comes, pastor gets up there. He says, you know, we we all know the the man we've come to remember today. You know, we know he was a thief, a murderer, a liar, a criminal. But compared to his older brother, this man was a saint. (laughs) But that's what we do. You know, we compare ourselves with ourselves. Paul would tell the Corinthians, those that compare themselves with themselves are not wise. Hebrews tells us that we are to be looking unto Christ. We are to be comparing ourselves with Christ. And so as everything around us is is the morality and everything is deteriorating, we need to be men and women of integrity. Secondly, Your work is characterized by righteousness, and works righteousness. The the phrase speaks of one one's practice. I'm not great with names. I need to get better with names. But one way I can really kind of remember people as we travel all around is is I ask people what they do, and it's easy for me to remember better. You know, I can at least the next time I see somebody usually say, "Oh, I remember. You're an engineer. You work up somewhere." And I don't know their name, but I can remember that I kind of remember them by their work, what they do, their practice. The psalmist tells us that if we are to be, if we are, if we are to expect to be allowed into God's house, that we should be practitioners of righteousness. We do what is right. We do what is honest. We're loyal. We would do what God would do. So we work righteousness. Our our work is characterized by righteousness. Thirdly, your heart is characterized by truth and speaks truth in his heart. This is speaking of the inner truth of the mind, which will result in outward truth of the tongue. Psalms 12.3 says, "'The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips,' and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Spurgeon says, Saints not only desire to love and speak truth with their lips, but they seek to be true within. They will not lie even in the closet of their hearts, for God is there to listen. They scorn double meanings, evasions, equivocations, white lies, flatteries, and deception. Isaiah says, then the Lord said, because this people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me, and their reverence for me consists of traditions learned by rote. We're all familiar with Jesus' word and in, in recorded in Mark chapter 7 verse 20, and he was saying that which proceeds out of, a, out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornication, theft, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting, and wickedness, as well as deceit, centrality, evil, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these things proceed from within and defile the man. And so we need to make sure that, that we that our hearts, not just our speech, not just our our minds, we know truth, we're at Grace Community Church, but our heart is characterized by truth. Our heart is characterized by truth. We've seen three positive things that the psalmist wants us to do, and then the psalmist turns and gives us three negative things, three things that we should not be doing as he talks about Right relationships. The second answer to the question of who can be God's friend is those who have right relationships. Right relationships with each other. Right relationships um, within the body of Christ, but right relationships with those who do not know Christ. First of all, right relationships. He does not slander with his tongue. Beginning of verse 3. He does not slander with his tongue. So first of all, your tongue is not characterized by gossip. Your tongue is not characterized by gossip. The word here, slander, really speaks of the idea of a spy. Hebrew here has a connotation of a spy. A spy is one who gathers information, sometimes by pretending to be something he is not, and then goes and divulges that information to another person. Well, that's exactly what a gossip does. You know, it pretends to be a friend or or, or hear something even from someone else, and, and it's about a friend, but then they go and they tell someone else. A flatterer is someone who will say to your face what they will not say behind your back. And a hypocrite is someone who will say behind your back what they will not say to your face. So are we careful with our words? Are we careful with... gossip but honestly are we careful with our ears i remember when i was in seminary we had i think it was a counseling class and and we had all these if you will these qualities almost attributes but these qualities like two or three pages um three columns and all these different things and we were supposed to give it to people to to give rating you know how how am i doing in this quality and so so there was a guy in seminary that gave it to me and I was checking through all those different ones and I came to gossip and I just thought you know he had shared some things with me that I thought you know he probably didn't need to share that and so I marked him down a little bit on that instead of a five I gave him a four or three probably a three and um and I gave it back to him and then he he had meanwhile I had given him mine. And so a couple of days later, he gave me mine back. And he had marked me down on gossip. <laughs> and beside it, he said, good listener. And so the question is: are you a good listener? And this gets really hard sometimes, hard in ministry. When, when are you just encouraging someone. I, we travel around, I hear we sit down with pastors and, and I want to encourage them and, and this is hard, but we need to be very quick to say, you know, I probably didn't need to know that. You know, are you sharing that because you want me to pray for them or what is your purpose here? You need to be very careful and especially within the body of Christ, within mainstream, within the church, to be careful to quickly put a stop to To gossip. Secondly, your actions are not characterized by doing evil to your fellow man, nor does evil to his neighbor, the second part there in verse 3, the middle part. The word neighbor here refers to one's fellow human beings, just a general term. The question is, do you treat other people with respect, especially those who have a less important position in life than you do? Or do you snub them? Do you talk down to them? Are you mean? These verses tell us that these things displease God and are barriers to fellowship with him. And then the third thing, sixth thing overall, but the third thing under right relationships, your speech is not characterized by divulging information about a friend. does not take up a reproach against his friend. Friend is a word referring to one's closest friend relationships especially one's own family and i think this is this is not necessarily talking so much about gossip but just just sharing information and almost in a sense taking joy in other people's difficulties i think that's more almost an attitude do you do do you when you hear somebody somebody failed or or something happened and you didn't really like that person to begin with you know what's your attitude towards that Or do you take joy in that? And so I think this is saying your speech is not characterized by divulging information about a friend that starts with the heart. And the idea of, are you taking joy in that? Are you enjoying telling other people about someone's downfall? And so we need to be very, very careful with that. James has so much to say in chapter 3 about the tongue. Chapter 1 Verse 26 of James, if anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. I mean, just think about that. If you you don't bridle your tongue, it's saying your religion, your Christianity is worthless. You know, we think of, often hear about Matthew 18, and I think, Matthew 18 is, is one of the most disobeyed um, verses in Scripture. And, and again, I'm speaking to myself here as much as speaking to anyone. But we need to be very careful to do things in a biblical way, to restore. We want people restored to Christ. We want, we're, we're so concerned about someone in sin or something not, so that because they're sinning against Christ, we need to be careful about that. If you like acronyms, Think before you speak. speak, T-H-I-N-K, think before you speak. T, is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? K, is it kind? Is that an acronym? Or is that a... Help me out here. Acrostic. I'm so sorry for you English people. I'm very gracious of you not to say anything. Acrostic. T, is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? K, is it kind? Think before you talk. It's much easier to talk about someone than it is to talk to someone. And we need to be very careful with that. Fourthly, under right relationships, your standard for honor is characterized by a person's fear of God. Your standard for honor is characterized by a person's fear of God, in whose eyes a reprobate is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. The seventh condition is stated more fully. It involves both despising the reprobate, the perpetual undertaker of evil, and honoring the God-fearing. In other words, the seventh condition speaks of attitudes, both positive and negative, towards fellow human beings. 1 Timothy 5.17, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. I hope you honor your elders here. I hope you honor your pastor here. As I already mentioned, it's not easy. Not easy being a pastor. Not easy being a pastor at Grace Community Church. I think we sometimes think that is just an easy thing to do. Oh, it's that Grace. And so do you honor your elders? Do you speak um, honoring about your elders? Do you speak honoring about your elders to your children? You know, My dad, I, I shared this at his funeral a year and a half ago or so, but one of the things that really impacted me in my dad's life was my dad was a, a, a scientist. He was a chemistry teacher and then a, a farmer. We had a, grew up in upstate New York on a 200-acre farm, and it was just wonderful. You have no idea living here in California, I know. But it was wonderful, um, no, I know a lot of you do, but uh he he I just remember very vividly he always honored the pastor, and, and there were times my mom was involved in piano playing and music and all that politics of a of a medium sized church and and we heard those conversations going home, but I just Vividly reminding, remember my dad said, if one of my boys, I have two brothers, if one of my boys were to become a pastor, that would be the greatest thing that could ever happen. And I I think to myself, you know, my brother, he's a part-time pastor at a small church. My other brother, he's an elder at a church. But that's what he said. And, And are we honoring those people? You know, Ted Tripp has a wonderful illustration of of just how how we love to worship and and you know we penguins don't look at other penguins diving and rate their dives but right we at Olympics Olympics come along we'll spend hours just watching people dive we love love that we love to be dazzled and then he says what are you dazzling your kids with what are you putting before the eyes of your children? Because honestly, a lot of what we put before the eyes of our children, they're honestly reprobates. And that goes for actors, that goes for, and I'm not <laughs> I'm saying here you never can watch a movie again. And I'm not saying here you can't watch football anymore. All right? But are, are we, are we lift, is, that, is that who we lift up? Is that who we dazzle our kids with? Because. God says he wants to be friend with someone whose standard for honor is characterized by a person's fear of God. On and your and and way home from church, are you, are you talking about, what are you talking about with your kids? The, the football game that's going to go on this afternoon? I know, I do know the World, or the world Series, the um, Super Bowl already happened, okay? But, um, that's about the only thing I know. The... Uh, <laughs> Or are you already geared towards something else? Do you lift up the pastors here? Do you lift up people that you know? You know, I heard this today. Somebody was telling me about he witnessed to some guy at work. Are you putting that, you're dazzling your kids with the idea that, boy, that person fears the Lord. That person loves the Lord. That is the person that I want to honor. That is the person that I want to put in front of my kids. And then the last thing is last answer to who God wants to be friends with is basically just a selfless standard. Not thinking about your, your, yourself. First there, the, your word. Your word is characterized by dependability. This is a person, second part of verse four, he swears to his own hurt and does not change. He he makes a promise and and it's going to really impact him financially in other ways, but he doesn't change. He swears to his own hurt and does not change. Are you dependable with your word? Are you a a man and a woman of your word? Trusting God for the consequences. And secondly, your giving is not characterized by Greed. He does not put out his money at interest. If a lender shares in the gains made by his money, that's to be expected. That's, that's why we have banks and things. But I, I'm often convicted of how, how, do I, how do I treat the poor? And as you go to, go to different countries, as we're in Beijing, this is always a difficult issue in all of us. Probably everybody here has been taken advantage of, you know. Have been have been tricked into giving, and you realize, oh, that person didn't really really need that. But are are you are you are you quick to give? Are you quick to help people in need? I love that verse in Proverbs nineteen seventeen. I'm just so reminded when I'm when I'm not sure should I give or should I not give, and what's the situation here. I love that verse in Proverbs nineteen seventeen. whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. You know, who better to lend to than the Lord? When we help people in need, when we help poor people, and obviously we need to be wise in that. But sometimes I think we don't even see people's needs because we're thinking about ourselves too much. And so, your giving is not characterized by greed. And then, third thing, under selfless standard, your dealings are not characterized by dishonesty. Your dealings are not characterized by dishonesty. Verse 5, nor does he take middle part, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. Now, maybe I'm, maybe you guys work in government. I don't know. But I don't think bribing is a big issue here. It may be. Maybe I'm, I'm blind to different things. I remember starting my, my business in China, um, the rep office, so we could do translation work. And, and I went and I did everything with them. Or I kind of did it all myself because I was sure that somebody's going to be asking me for a bribe. And in the end, they didn't. And then we closed one office. Whatever, a rep office and opened up a woofy so that wholly foreknown enterprise and um and there when when we had some uh, organization help us close it and at that point i said listen you can charge us what you want up front but if there's people that need you know if you, they're going to ask for money to do things i just can't do that and later on they did they said you know what if we could get you could pay a little bit more here to this one guy this one government official um, you could get this done a lot faster. I'm like, I already told you, I just can't do that. But here in the U.S., I don't know. I don't think we're tempted on a daily basis of uh, with bribes, and I'm not either in China. But the question for me is just, what what do you do for money? You know, what shortcuts do you take for money? You know, is money more important to you than your relationships? Paul would tell the Corinthians over money why not rather be wronged why not rather be defrauded than to have the testimony of christ um, negatively impacted through your dealings so are you careful with how and what you will do for money because it says that if you want stability in your life you know, if, you, if, you're, if your life seems to be in turmoil, and you want that stability, the promise is, if these things characterize your life, then you will never be moved, right? He who does these things shall never be moved I think it was Spurgeon that also said, Mark how the prophet does not say he that reads these things or he that hears these things, but he that does them shall never be moved. For were it enough to read or hear these precepts, then should an infinite number of vain and wicked persons enter into it and continue in God's presence with whom they have no place there. For there are very few or none at all which have not read or at least have not heard these things, yet they will not do them. Neither does he say he that talks of these things, but, that, but he that does them. For many now in these days can talk gloriously of uprightness, justice, and truth, in whom there is neither upright dealings nor sound righteousness nor unfeigned truth to be found. And so today, if you're here, I think this, this psalm speaks of, of two things, two things that we need to, to consider. If you're here without Christ. And I think this is a psalm where you, you can just examine your life. You can see that, that you need forgiveness. And it's not by doing these things. You need to come to Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. And so don't take this psalm and start trying to improve your life. You need Christ, and you need the forgiveness that only Christ can give you from your sins. And I think if you're a, a believer here today, you know 1 Corinthians talks about we need to test ourselves. You know, if you are, test yourself, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 13.5, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? James speaks of Abraham, and it says this, James 2, 19-23, you believe that God is one, you do well, the demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works or or faith was active along with his works. And as a result of the works, faith was perfected and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. And so, you're not a believer here today, if, if you look at your life and just examining your life and you're saying, "Boy, I don't have any of this, then tor- turn towards Christ." But then for us as believers, I think the question for us is to ask a more deeper question than even some of these issues is, do we love Christ? Do we have that intimate love with Christ? Do we deeply desire? to go to the temple, to worship Christ. You know, David, Psalms 26, 8, Oh Lord, I love the habitation of thy house and the place where thy glory dwells. Maybe we haven't thought about our life because we don't have an urgency to wor- We don't have a desire to really worship God. We don't want that intimate relationship with Christ. David would say in Psalms 27, four, one thing I've asked from the Lord and that, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. You, know, you can pray for me in that. Do you see the Lord as beautiful? Well, you see so many things in this world as beautiful and pleasurable, but do we see Christ as just beautiful the way David did? Psalms 32.10, many other the sorrows are the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, loving kindness shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. And finally, 33, Psalm 33.20, 33, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart rejoices in him because we trust in his holy name let the loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us according as we have hoped in thee. And so our question, my question to myself and to you today is, is, these is this is what God desires for those that want to come and, and worship him. But I think a deeper question is, do you have that desire? Do you really want to come and worship him? The most scary thing in my life is to, get to heaven and, and God to say to me or Christ to say to me, you know, you did all these things. You, you, you made a lot more people able to understand my word in China and, and you used all the time to get rights and, and people to translate and all these things. And, but you never knew me. You, you didn't have that passion to know me. And so let's make sure that even before we look at these qualities, we look and say, do I, do I have that passion to know Christ and to worship Christ? Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for David. Thankful that he was a man after your own heart. We're thankful that we, he, the scripture has not hidden his sins and his faults, Lord. Because we are like that. But, but we're thankful that also we see his passion for you, his passion to go to your temple, his desire to meditate on your word day and night. I pray that you would increase that desire in each of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.